0: I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod Podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's good, Celtics fans? Welcome back to the Celtics Pod with your host, me, Mr. Adam Taylor, and my boy Will, who's usually here on a. Well, when are you usually here? It's a Friday, right? I'm usually
1: on the Friday show, but mixing it up, this week I got uh, some scheduling conflicts for uh for Thursday when we usually record. So hopping on a little early with you. As the international man of mystery are you traveling? The tour continues, man. The tour continues. No. Gotta go stop. Gotta go swing through the uh, enemy territories of uh of Brooklyn and Philly over the next week and a half or so. Yeah I'm telling you dude man, you're making me so jealous. Like um <laughs> so yesterday, as people know on this podcast
0: like my best friend lives in LA. Um he recently had a kid well I say recently it was like eighteen months ago just at the start yeah. of COVID. I wanted to get out there, you know, go see the little one. He, he called me Uncle Taylor because nobody calls me by my first name. Um, so I'm on I'm on FaceTime with them and, like, it, I'm just like, man, I just need to be where you guys are at. And uh, as soon as, like, COVID restrictions are done, dude, I need to get my, myself on a plane because I've seen far too much rain and far too little sunshine in a very long amount of time.
1: Yeah, man, come on over here. You know, that that's part of the reason that, you know, we're doing the trip similar to you and your best friend in L.A., Uh, One of my girlfriend's best friends lives in Brooklyn. They had a kid and we were supposed to go visit. We had plans, you know, prior to COVID. So now we're heading out there for a little guy's second birthday because, you know, it's one of my, one of my girlfriend's best friends in the entire world has never met their kid. So, you know, you gotta, gotta go get those visits in when you can right now. And especially before the season starts and things start to get crazy again
0: yeah it's crazy man how like um so like my boy that lives in LA is like my version of what Greg is to you yeah <laughs> and, uh, it's crazy how everybody gets so split up over time man and then it costs money to travel and whew, it's uh it's not cheap man
1: flights and it's tough cheap. man it's tough to stay in touch with, with people like that but you know on that note I gotta say uh very appreciative of you and Greg from the podcast the other day uh, a <laughs> lot a lot of praise y'all gave me Greg's Greg's rap I was a little mortified, but more than anything, you know, it was uh, you know we, we could have probably gone without the thirsty double entendre in the middle of that rap, but other than that, I thought it was, uh, it, it was pretty good, and I'm, I'm pretty blessed to have teammates like you and Greg here.
0: Yo, the only thing I was pushing back on was that best toast in the
1: game, but like yeah. to be you, I gotta take my hat off a little bit there. Now, nah, man, man. You we, day, we split though? that title for sure. <laughs> did you have a good day? I did, man, it did, man. I did, uh, did a little bit of the England thing out here. I went out and saw a footy match. You know, went out to the Austin FC football game here. So living in Austin, Texas. So we just got an MLS team for the first time. Uh, our first, the first pro team in Austin, Texas. So obviously many pro teams throughout Texas, but Austin, Texas, capital of uh, of the great state of Texas. First pro team here is Austin FC of the MLS. So uh, went out and checked out a game there on Saturday night. Uh, and then Sunday, uh, myself, Greg, and our two ladies went out for a nice little dinner Little birthday tradition, Greg and I have. So it was a uh, it was a pretty darn good weekend, man.
0: Yeah, man, I'm happy. How was the soccer? Was you bored? Was you bored out your mind?
1: I was drunk out of my mind. Uh, so I think that I think <laughs> I, I think that, helped. that You did it so. the English way, dude. Exactly. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's the best part about footy, man. Got to throw back a couple of beers. So it was actually a good time. The stadium's brand new. So it's like it's one thing with, with a lot of these new stadiums. And I've seen this with um, uh, the stadium in San Antonio for the Spurs. It's kind of built the same way. It's a relatively new stadium. I don't remember what year the AT&T Center was built. But instead of, you know, for the Garden, which we got to you ever, Have you ever actually ever been to a game at the Garden? Adam, you know, I've seen Celtics games, but never at the Garden. Okay. Okay. Well, we got to make that happen. But so with the Garden and a few mm-hmm. other ones, got to make that happen. That's on. That's on the the has to happen list. But with the Garden, a lot of those stadiums tend to to go out as opposed to build up. When you're talking about like the nosebleed seats or the seats mm-hmm. that are at the top of the arena, and so you feel a little further away from the action. So a lot of these new stadiums that are building up, I'll be real. You may get a little bit of vertigo going up the stairs. You're certainly going to get a workout in, but you're sitting on top of the action. So even if you don't have, you know, the premium seats, like you still have amazing views. And so that's why I love going to Spurs games out here in Texas. Uh, And then the Austin FC Stadium, which is brand new, it's a little bit smaller, too. It's a, uh, you know, MLS team. So it fits like 20,000, which actually is roughly about the size of the garden. But it, uh, you know, it goes straight up. So even if you're at the top, you still feel very connected to the action on the field. So love checking out the new stadium, love going to check out stadiums in general. So it it was a good time,
0: man. Yeah, fun fact, I live by one, two, three, four soccer stadiums, three of them, uh, most regularly in the Premier League, and I have never once been to a soccer game. Really? You've never been to any type of soccer game? We're just not a Premier League Premier League game? Any, dude. Like, it does not interest me. Like, I'd Every time someone would be like, let's go to a soccer game, I'd put money in a jar to save up to go do something better. <laughs> and now people just don't ask, so I don't save. but like, yeah, dude, never, not once. Um, it's, I just can't, I cannot be bothered with having to deal with the amount of crowds and the drunk people and it's in England and like, you ask me if I want to go to an LA Galaxy game, I'm going to be there tomorrow. I just don't want to have to, it's cold, dude. I'm not saying. We
1: got to get you out of England, man. I feel like we just got to get you over to the States. Oh, that's, dude, that's what we got to do.
0: I need three green cards and I'm up in a gun, dude. Anyway, <laughs> so let's get into some, some basketball, some American stuff that make me happy. Uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with uh, Richardson. Josh Richardson got an ex- a one-year extension after Boston Celtics. Caught, I think it caught pretty much everybody out in left field. I don't think anybody yep. was expecting to see this. Obviously, I put out a tweet earlier today. If you follow me, that's great. If you don't follow me, you're going to find out what it says now and hopefully you like it enough to follow me. Um, what it basically says is, I see two reasons for doing this. One, if Richardson has a great year and his value increases, you don't lose him for nothing in the summer. And two, it's a very, very tradable contract. It's good for salary matching. And if one and two blend together, well, that's even more that's even more of a win because now you're trading away a guy with good value on a, on a reasonable deal. That's the only reason I can see this happening, especially before training camp starts where you don't really know how he's going to fit, mm-hmm. where he's at with his shot and his fitness. I, thought, I just find it really weird it happened before we even get up to training camp.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, like you said, the timing certainly caught, caught me off guard. You know, and it just feels like, you know, right now, TPEs and extensions is what President Brad Stevens does. He is just handing out extensions left and right. And, you know, it's kind of the opposite of what we've seen over the last couple of years with the Celtics. When, you know, you and Greg talked about this the other day, about the talent drain. People, you know, talent leaving and nothing coming back. Right now, you know, as you look at the Celtics roster, it's set up with at least six or seven deals that you're going to have that have value and are on solid contracts that you're going to be able to either, you know, best case scenario, they fit into, which we haven't seen yet, you know, fit into the system that Coach Ime is going to be running. They work well with the Jays. But they should still all be, you know, good deals that are tradable assets and they're valuable rotation players. You're going to have multiples of those. And, you know, I think the interesting part with uh, with the Jay Rich deal here is, you know, you and Greg talked about the extensions for Rob Williams and Marcus Smart. And a little bit, of, I think you mentioned this, the poison pillar effect of it in the sense that neither one of them can really be traded this year with the way it's set up with what their current contract rate is and what it expands to next season, that's just going to be extremely difficult to maneuver both for the Celtics and whatever the trade partner might be. You know, with Richardson, it's a little bit different here. You know, it's, I think this is still one that if needed to be something that they put together either with a TPE to make it more attractive or compile a couple of contracts to get to maybe an $18 million player that's out there that becomes available. You know, this is now an asset that they have in their, in their, in their, you know, back pocket to be able to use. So I think it was a pretty good move. Definitely caught me off guard. And, and to your point, it is a the timing of it is, is easily the most surprising.
0: Yeah, and I know the Celtics – do you know what? Names keep um, getting away from me today. I know the Celtics re- um, hired a shooting coach from Milwaukee. I forgot his name. I do apologize for his name. Me. Yeah, I know they hired a shooting coach from Milwaukee. He's meant to be one of the uh, – you know, like the shooting doctor. is going to be somebody that really helps – develop people's shots and we've been excited about that for Romeo and we've been excited about that for NeSmith. but another thing is if if he can get Richardson's shot back to where it was during that last year in Miami where he was real good he was reliable from deep um I feel like that's going to add value anyway and Richardson's mm-hmm. a bit of a playmaker if you, if you can get him sitting around the 38 to 40 percent mark from three heck even a thirty-six thirty-six point five 36.5 to 38 percent mark on four to five attempts a game, he's going to have gravity at the three-point line. Yeah. And I think that he's capable, he's quick enough, he's got the length, and I think um, he can beat guys off the dribble to attack closeouts. Now, I've been watching some film of him. The last thing you want him to do is pull up off the dribble and shoot, because to be quite honest with you, the form's ugly, the shot doesn't seem to fall. Um, I just think he really struggles to find his shooting pocket after dribble before rising up to let the ball go. So it's, um, it's a very disjointed motion. But if you can ask him to use that gravity to attack closeouts and then offer some redirection to the ball and swing it, on, um, you know, swing it from side to side or hit somebody um, a cutter off the wing who's doing a forty-five cut. Well, now all of a sudden you've got a lot of off-ball movement because of just one guy's gravity, and teams are going to like that. Wings are always going to have value in the league, mm-hmm. especially a wing that is a thirty-six to thirty-eight percent three-point shooter if you can figure it out that can also use that gravity towards some playmaking. And then again, on defense, he's quite respectable due to that length and athleticism. He just needs to figure his shot out. And trust me, I really don't want him shooting after the pull-off. I just don't think <laughs> it's going to work. But if he can figure that out too, like um, he's going to be a ridiculously valuable piece
1: at that contract. And, but that's a lot of ifs and buts. Yeah, it's a lot of ifs and buts but the but, you know, to use another one here. You know, if you take a look at that with the Rob Williams contract, it's kind of a similar scenario in the sense of both guys have the opportunity to outplay what their value of that contract is. For Rob, it's mostly a health concern. And then when it comes to to Josh Richardson, it's can he get back to that form that he had in Miami. And he might not get the same volume to be a 16-4-4 guy, you know, but to be that high level defensive wing that you need, and then to be able to handle the ball a little bit. And then to your point, if he can shoot the ball 36-38%, that's more than an 11 to $12 million player in today's NBA for what you're looking for from a wing. So his value then starts to go up, especially if it becomes, and I feel like, you know, too quickly, I'm always kind of looking at what is the tradable asset here? Because we know we know the Jays aren't going anywhere. So it all depends how can you best build around them. And that's part of the flexibility that Brad Stevens is building with this roster is to be able to have some trade capital. And so you do have to kind of think about it, even though it's so fresh after the deal, it, it feels a little rotten. But, you know, that's the business. It kind of is what it is. And so if you have this asset and now he has another year and he's no longer just an expiring deal, you can extract more from another team if that scenario arises.
0: Well, this is where the biggest thing for me is, right? Like the expiring deals are great for a team that wants to hit the reset button because then they can, you know, get off that contract quite quickly. You've only got a few months where you're really tied into a player and then you develop cap space and now you can be a player in free agency. You can start to pick up guys that you think fit your vision for the future. Not every team that's involved in a trade or that's trading away a star or whatever, is in a position where they need to hit the reset button. Yeah, um, You know, some teams, like I think Houston would be a great team now if they were to trade away, Christian Wood, for example, where they don't need to hit the reset button because they've still got other pieces in place where they could continue to develop. You know, Kevin Porter Jr. being a guy yeah. that I really like over there. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like, hey, you don't always need to offer cap space at the end of the current season. What, what some teams will want is veteran role players that can slot in and help kind of bridge a little bit of the gap you, you get from losing one of these guys like a Bradley Beal or like a Zach Levine. And I understand both of these will be sign-and-trades if they were going to happen. <laughs> but it's a sign-and-trade. Somebody has to be going back in the other direction. And maybe a team like Chicago, obviously, if Zach Levine did decide to leave, I don't see them hitting the blow-it-up button after the moves they've made in no. the recent years. So a... Josh Richardson and Al Horford or Romeo Langford, somebody like that, or multiple names like that, mm-hmm. are going to be far more valuable. And I think that what Brad Stevens done is add a blend of one year deals along with a couple of guys that have got two, maybe three years left on deals that can come in that are cost controlled. And now you have avenues for teams that do need to hit the reset button and teams that need to continue trying to be competitive to keep the stars they still have happy. So I think he's um While we're out here looking at chess moves, he's out here playing 3D checkers.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I I think one of my bugaboos throughout the year, throughout the offseason is going to be every single move is looked at under the the landscape of what does this mean for Bradley Beal? And, you know, I think this is a little bit refreshing for me because to me it says, yeah, that might be an option. Like you said, you talked about it would have to be a sign-and-trade. And, and, you know, what needs to go back and a sign-and-trade is contracts. And that's another contract. So maybe it's an option. But, you know, it also tells me Brad's not waiting for free agency. Brad sees guys that are going to have value, whether it's around the Jays or around the league with what they can offer. Let's go ahead and bring those guys in. Let's have multiple options of of what we want to do here. And, you know, I feel like a couple of weeks ago when before all these extensions came out, everyone was talking about, oh, Brad's clear in the books. He's making way for, you know, the Bradley Beal chase of of next offseason. It's like, well, first of all, he has an option. Uh, he also very well could just sign an extension with Washington. There's no absolutely no guarantee that he's going to be on the market. So that move's never really made sense. Now, as you look at it from the scope of the extensions to Rob Marcus, and then the one year added on to Josh Richardson's deal here, Brad's not waiting for free agency to make moves. He's going to be someone that's in control of his own destiny as president of basketball operations where he can make moves sign and trades can happen that's obviously very in fashion right now when it comes to the nba but he's going to have multiple options of ways that he can make this team better and you know i like that approach from brad I, like you said i think brad's out here playing chess right now and you know we're all guessing at what these moves are going to be but i think brad's thinking several moves ahead that, that none of us know what's coming next
0: First things first, that coach's name is Ben Sullivan. It came back to me while we were talking. (laughs) So Ben Sullivan. I tell you what, man, so many things I'm reading at the minute, like names just keep coming and going from my brain. Um, I agree. I think that having the ability to make a mid-season trade, the ability to make a sign-and-trade in the summer, or the ability to just stamp out and see how the market unfolds over the next few months, I think that's something that the Celtics have seldom had the option to do over the last few years where it comes to being able to entice teams with cap space. You know, you hey, you can have the end of the year, we've got these expiring deals, you can still get some value out of a Dennis Schroeder. Before, it was always, hey, here's some locked up young prospects along with some draft picks that don't project to be very good. Now the Celtics have a bit more flexibility. They still can't offer good level draft picks because you yeah. could offer picks from six years down the line and Tatum and Brown are still going to be what just about entering their 30s They're still projecting to be a good team. So, the draft pick route isn't really there. I don't think there's much value in offering up a couple of firsts because things would have to go drastically wrong for that yeah. for those to hold value. But you can go after a guy like I mean, a name that's on my radar at the moment as a possible Evan Fournier type risk is Aaron Gordon. I think that um, he went to he went to Denver. Are we, are we right year.
1: back to a couple months ago already?
0: <laughs> yeah, like so. So my outlook on this is look. He went to Denver last year. Denver gave up Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a 2025 20, first-round pick that was top-five protected, yeah? So Denver aren't a team that generally have a bunch of um, assets that they can continually throw around to try and build around Jokic. Aaron Gordon comes in, doesn't really do well, has a good first-round um, Absolutely sucks against the Phoenix Suns in the second round. If he doesn't figure it out with that team by February, when the trade deadline comes, well, if I'm Denver, I'm like, yo, I gave up Gary Harris. It's a legit solid starting guard in the league, a starting two guard. I gave up R.J. Hampton. That's got like you know good upside plus a future first. Oh, and and Aaron Gordon could leave in the summer for free anyway because mm-hmm. he's a so maybe maybe Denver want to recoup some assets. Well, now Boston's first-round picks, although they don't look great, could be kind of enticing. Gordon would fit into that TPE. If Gordon doesn't do well in Boston, you can try and get another TPE for him in the summer. Yeah. So I, I just think that you've got so many ways that you can attack things. Maybe it's not Aaron Gordon. Maybe Boston want Dylan Brooks. Maybe they want but Zach Levine. Or, and then Kyle yeah. Anderson. Maybe it's Zach Levine. Maybe it's Bradley Bill. But you're not just tied in to one star name and i think that's a quite refreshing from a celtic standpoint to be like hey it doesn't have bradley bill might be the holy grail for a majority of fans but he's not the only target there's a pyramid of targets now and most of them seem attainable for one reason or another gordon was just a guy that i've kind of been looking at thinking about why denver might want to trade him so that was a good example in this instance
1: Yeah, no, I think Aaron Gordon's an interesting name. And, you know, especially with Jamal Murray, I'm not sure what his timeline is right now, if he'll make it back by the end of the season. But that, I'm sure, will play a huge role in where they're at with that timeline. But definitely, there's going to be some interesting names to keep an eye on. And, you know, I think there's, like you said, Bradley Beal might be the holy grail. But there's also the route of of building this team with the continued ascent of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And just having a, you know, a, a strong depth of those quality, high-end role players that are supporting them. There's been paths to championships built on that backbone as well. And especially if Jason Tatum continues to ascend, because, you know, I, we had um, I talk recently Seth Partnow on The Athletic put out uh, a piece where went through all the different tiers and it's something roughly like out of the last 21 NBA champions, roughly, you know, 17 of them have all had someone that would typically qualify as a top six, seven player in the league. So once you get a player that fits into that category, it's a lot easier to build out that team. But if you have multiple guys that are filling in, you know, the top 15 players in the league, 25, you know, if you have eight of the top 50 players in the league, 50 to 70 players in the league, you're in a pretty pretty strong point of position right now to be able to to do some damage in this league.
0: Yeah. And that's where for me, like, you can stack the cupboards as much as you need to. Um, but without continued internal development, you're always going to be in a position where you've got a cupboard full of, of reserves, reserves, cupboard full of supplies, but none of them are top tier. You know, it's like yeah. buying store brand, um, <laughs> yeah, and you just, it, it's like buying store brand and waiting for the, your grocery delivery of uh, a premium brand. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are where that premium brand is you want them to continue developing. Maybe it's a fine whiskey it would be a good example. You could open it right away and it's nice. You could leave it 20 years and it's even better. Mm. That internal development is going to be what makes the Celtics a more attractive organisation to these stars down the line. Um, So when you do want to make a move or flip some of these couple of, you know, mid-range level contracts, a Josh Richardson, maybe a Marcus Smart, maybe a Rob Williams, whoever it may be, well, players are going to be happy to come and happy to re-sign because they see the trajectory of what Tatum and Brown are on. And I think people already recognize that Tatum and Brown are really ascending at the moment, but no one really knows where Tatum's going to finish. Is he going to be a top five guy in the league? Is he going to be a top three scorer in the league? Where Mm -hmm. does he sit on the um, all-time, like, you know, um, the league-wide pyramid of players? Is he a top 10, top five? There's so many things you need to look at and I think players when they're choosing a new destination on a team that's supposedly supposed to um cont- a contending team, that's something they take into account. Not what these players are now, but what would they be by the time I'm midway through this deal? Where will I will we be contending by then? Or am I gonna have to wait until the final year of that contract before we get any tangible success?
1: What brand of whiskey do you think Jason Tatum would be?
0: I don't know. There's so many good ones, dude. I saw I, I saw one the other day, and uh, it was like a, I think it was like four hundred for the bottle, and it was like a twenty-year-old whiskey that had spent twenty years in a brandy cask. And okay. uh, That was like, yeah, I really wanted to buy it, but I just couldn't part with that much money for a bottle of whiskey. But Tatum would be <laughs> Tatum would be one of those things, you know. You you get it, and it's quite expensive. It's, it's definitely high quality, high class you know in three or four more years time it's going to be some of the best stuff on the market and I uh, gotta let it marinate it a little bit, bit. gotta let, yeah. got got let season of course dude i mean i'm a big whiskey guy i'm a big um scotch guy so uh I'm, I'm always looking for fancy bottles that i can that are affordable that are going you know you can invest in that stuff and make a decent profit margin you just need the patience okay so the other thing we wanted to talk about was you've been looking at the schedule you found some things that you wanted to make some notes on. Maybe there's some tough patches. Maybe there's some exciting patches. Let's go through them, man. Tell me what tell me where your brain's at.
1: Yeah, man. So, you know, schedule came out about a week or so ago. So I went through and just found a couple of things that I think it was important for us to highlight. So one of the things that came out from the schedule, so now we're kind of back to this 82-game schedule, right? got to recalibrate a little bit. It's a little bit more of a normal cadence. So there's not going to be the, the same mess of the last, what the last two seasons have brought us. So back-to-backs, every team in the league is going to have between 12 to 15, the Celtics fall into the ladder. 15 back-to-backs for the Celtics this season, tied for the most in the league. There's going to be three other teams that also have 15 back-to-backs. Curious to know your thoughts on, on the Celtics being at the top of that. And, you know, I think one of the things that we'll we'll see with this roster is it feels a little bit deeper. Before we even get to training camp and we start the season, it feels like there's a little bit more depth to this team where this was a massive issue last year especially factoring in Kemba Walker sitting out back-to-backs how much of an issue or non-issue do you think some of these back-to-backs and the Celtics being at the top end of them for the NBA
0: first question I've got is how how are they going to load manage Robert Williams because if Robert Williams is in a position where he's not playing every back-to-back because they want to keep him fresh for the playoffs well now having one of the largest amount of back-to-backs in the league, actually. Quite detrimental to the team's success because you're losing one of your most impactful players. However, I am not one for conspiracy theories. Really, if you want to talk aliens, I'm here all day.
1: Um,
0: (laughs) we, We can do that, and you know, we can argue and discuss that all day. But when it comes to basketball, I genuinely don't like to look at conspiracies of oh, the league doesn't want Boston to win or whatever that may be. I think that's just the way the chips have fallen. You have to kind of develop a system and a schedule where every team has large amounts of traveling periods and then minimum amount of traveling other periods. And some years, the Celtics are going to be a team that play a bunch of back-to-backs to to facilitate that for every other organization in the league. And other years, it's going to be possibly the the Sixers that play the most to facilitate the Celtics having a few less back-to-backs. So that swings on roundabouts, in my opinion. Uh, I do think, for me, the biggest questions are, can Robert Williams play every back-to-back? Is the Celtics training staff going to be a bit more judicial with the way they want Jason Tatum playing back to back. So they're going to want him, you know, are they going to ask him to play 25 minutes a night just because they want him fit? There's so many questions that come with how are we going to keep guys fresh and healthy, especially in the load management era where you've got guys like Kawhi just like, dude, I'm not playing for the next three games just because mm-hmm. I need my body to be right. And I know Kawhi's older. But those are the questions that kind of arise for me just how much does this affect? the continuity of the rotations and we saw what back-to-backs can do when you're having to have a few guys miss games here and there and the disjointedness it can create. So those are my only concerns. Realistically, it's good for fitness. It's good for um, those road trips are usually great for team bonding and camaraderie. So maybe it gives the Celtics as a as an organisation, as a roster, a deeper bond. Uh, You know, we've all heard about those discussions on the long flights when they're on losing streaks, when they're on winning streaks. You never hear about no discussions. They're too busy in the club. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? I'm I'm okay with it, man. I think
1: uh, think it sucks, but I understand why it's had to happen. Yeah. I'm the same with you. I I, I mostly put that out there because I wanted to test your conspiracy theory levels. Because I feel like every year when the NBA schedule, this doesn't just apply to the NBA, this happens to NFL, MLB, whatever sport you're following where immediately certain fans get upset with the schedule before, number one, even knowing how some of these teams, because teams have changed all in the offseason, so it's not the same exact set of rosters coming back, but fans get so upset with, you know, the league stacking it against, insert favorite team X here. So it's not just Celtics fans, is every single team around the league. So I wanted to just kind of test where you're at when it comes to conspiracy theories, but I'm with you. I, I think it's just kind of cyclical. I think this year it's going to be the Celtics. Next year it's going to be the Suns get, get screwed maybe with, with a you know a tough schedule at a certain point, and you know there's there's so many different factors that go into it that I don't really think it's that big of a deal. The Rob Williams portion that you mentioned, I think is the most interesting part to me because I think you know as we mentioned, his contract, not just this year but also obviously looking ahead to the extension, could be a steal if he's healthy. But his health is going to be the most important factor when it plays into that. So he'll kind of be the new probably Kemba watch for for this upcoming season. I think it's going to be what happens with Rob, but. That was more so just to test your conspiracy theory. But you talked about road trips. So the other thing I wanted to highlight here is the month of December. The month of December is brutal for the Celtics. So within that, there is a five-game road trip out west. that happens every year. And the west is just tough, especially when you do that trip. I mean, that trip itself, you're going to face Utah, Portland, Lakers, Clippers, and Suns. That's a tough five-game stretch. Yeah,
0: that's a tough stretch.
1: It's a real tough stretch. But – In the month of December, so if you look at it, and I know I just said the teams are different and they change, but most of these teams here are are relatively intact and should still be very good. If you look at the month of December, there's 15 games. 13 of them are versus playoff teams from a year ago, including 10 straight, and I'm counting the Warriors as a playoff team, because let's be real, Klay Thompson's coming back. They added in two lottery picks. I fully expect the Warriors to be in the mix out West. So you're looking at 13 out of 15 games against playoff teams. Let me, let me just read this schedule to you real quick here, Adam, and I'll let you react to it. So here's what the month of December looks like for the Celtics. Starting December 1st, we got home versus Philadelphia at Utah, at Portland, at Los Angeles Lakers, at Los Angeles Clippers, at Phoenix Suns home versus the champion Milwaukee Bucks, home versus the Golden State Warriors, home versus the New York Knicks, home versus the Philadelphia 76ers, home versus Cleveland, a little bit of a break, at the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks, at Minnesota, a little bit of a break, and then close out December uh, at home against the Clippers and the Suns. That is a tough, tough month, in my opinion.
0: That's a make-or-break month, you see? Yeah. Like, that's a, you know, like, I mean, what are you happy with there? You're happy with eight wins?
1: Have yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, yeah, you're kind of splitting that, you know, going going 500, maybe trying to stay one to two games of above 500. Like that's that's kind of what you're looking for in that, right? Yeah, I think that's where you need to be
0: comfortable, right? And I think you really need to pick those games where you're really going to put your body on the line and fight for every every loose possession, and then you're going to have to pick games where some guys are going to sit a bit more than what they usually would because that the travel that's involved in that is brutal as well. You know, they're going out west, they're coming back east, then they're going to go back out west. It's, it's going to be tough. So for me, I'd be looking at, you know, maybe possibly a nine game going going nine wins. And I think that's at the very high end of that spectrum.
1: That would, be, would a be, That'd be a success. You know, that would be a massive success.
0: A massive I success. I think, you know, anything less than six wins would be a failure. But between that six and nine range, I know it's only like mm-hmm. a three-win range. But I feel like that's where things are going to feel really comfortable for me. I'd be happy with that. And if you're winning nine or more, then that's been a massive success. The Celtics are going to be uh, 2022 NBA champions. <laughs> yeah, I'll be We're, we're joking. at least in yeah, the, the mix, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're coming out of that pretty much unscathed. on like a, a 75% win share. Like, that's ridiculous, dude. You should have real high expectations for the playoffs at that point, And you should be expecting to finish in the top three seeds in the yeah. East. So yeah. uh, it's, it's going to be tough. I would want to say you wanted to test my level of conspiracy theories real quick. This is as far as I go. It is logically more improbable that we are the only life forms in
1: the universe. That is literally as far as my conspiracy <laughs> theories are going. I mean I totally agree with you on that. I'm not I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy, but it's just like there's no chance we're the only life forms. I just I just feel like that's yeah, I'm incredible. not
0: saying we're just you know, just smart life forms, it could be a planet full of yaks. You just don't know. You yeah, know. I mean there were there were
1: reports several months ago about UFOs that the US government, you know, was hiding some of that information. Now I'll be honest, I didn't look into it all that much, but it's out there. It's out I've there. Seen, I've seen
0: Independence Day, it. man. I've seen Independence Day. <laughs>
1: Many, many black. black, Will Smith's I mean, involved in both of them. so. Yeah, if you
0: know, many black I mean, are looking to learn? hire, I, I'm Dan. I want one of those Neuralizer thingies. Give me some of those cool <laughs> guns and cars and I'm all in. I can wear it. I can rock a suit as well. I'm a big dude. All right, fun I'm back. Fun, fun, fun fact, <laughs> for my wedding, I rocked, um a LeBron-style short suit. Did you Really? I did, dude. I was in Vegas, dude. It was like one hundred and ten degrees. I was not wearing a suit, fam. I was wearing. Yeah, was you gotta, a
1: suit. You, gotta post, you gotta post the pic, man. I gotta see the fit. Yeah, I'm
0: gonna. I think. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a picture to the group chat later today. If anybody else wants to see, it, you know what to do. Tag me, tweet me, do something. <laughs> but yeah, dude, it was it was too hot. I couldn't not. I couldn't wear a full suit in 110 10 degree heat in Vegas in this summertime in Vegas. No chance, bro
1: yeah
0: anyway. that's a that's a fair point that's a fair yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> it was not happening, dude. not a chance anyway where are we at so um yeah where where how do you feel about this? Are you on the same boat as me? you know any more than nine wins is a ridiculous ask anywhere between six and nine is great anywhere between between
1: five and one or zero is a failure oh absolutely i mean i I think trying to like I said trying to ride that out. Somewhere in that, you know, 8 and 7, it's 15 games, so somewhere in that 8 and 7, 9 and 6 range is, is a massive success, you know. And, and I think really what more so than that, what it does is puts a heavy emphasis on the first quarter of the season, meaning yeah. that the Celtics need to get off to a good start. Knowing that that stretch is looming ahead of them in December is that there's no time to, you know, to ease into the season. You got to be ready to play those first 20-plus games or so before you hit that December stretch.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's fair. I feel like that's completely fair. I can get along. I can get on with that. All right. one, one more, one last then. thing.
1: One last thing I got here for you, Adam, and then we'll we'll wrap this up here. Uh, yeah, this is, I think this might be if COVID allows for it. Where we get a target to get you to Boston, March thirteenth.
0: That's Mavs, the target I've got Mavics, in my own head. Kevin Garnett, let's yeah. go. Yeah, that's the target that's in my own head. Um, obviously, I need to figure out logistics of travel, logistics of finances, whether or not I can even get a ticket to the game, um, whether that ticket's worth the money that I'm paying. You know, if you're going <laughs> to sit me all the way in the nosebleeds for a thousand bucks, then I'm, I'm, you know, I'd rather go sit in a bar with everybody else and watch it. But um, that's definitely a date that's circled on my calendar. And it's definitely a discussion I've already been having with myself. Uh, Hey, if you can make
1: that happen, man, I'll find a way to make sure I'm in Boston that same time. And we'll, uh, we'll make sure we do it right. It's a Sunday afternoon game too. We know the matinees weren't kind to the Celtics last year, but you know, for KG's retirement, hopefully we can, uh, we'll have that reversed by then.
0: Yeah, for sure, dude. I mean, if I can get there, then um, I'll be, Sure to be doing some form of Celtics meetup, you know, get get that uh, get those group photos going and all this <laughs> stuff. But yeah, I'm serious. That's a that's definitely a date that's been circled on my calendar. It's definitely a discussion I've been kind of having with myself, looking at you know how much an Airbnb is going to cost. The flights aren't too expensive to be quite fair. It's just that you know you need to be able to make sure that you can have a, re- I I don't fancy sleeping outside the garden for
1: two days. Is where <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I, don't, I don't recommend that as a as a. Uh, as a plan you know I, I see those that that may may do that on the regular you may not want to want to join up with them <laughs> yeah
0: dude no nah, that's not happening dude if i'm going away i don't i don't need luxury but i need wi-fi outlets shower and roof uh, you,
1: you, talk, talk to me and greg if we're making this happen we'll, we'll 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 find something for you man we got we we still even though we live in austin texas we still got some of the connects and the plugs back in boston so we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, make yeah. it happen
0: we can make it happen, the cheaper I can make it, the more likely it is to happen, but yeah, I'm excited, man. I think um I think k g deserves it more like completely uh did you see that video, that picture he put out where he cropped Ray Allen off the corner captain Petty, I love it, oh, I love it, man <laughs> but I look like Yog State he's consistently petty, that's the thing like still yeah. consistent all these years later, whether it's basketball, whether it's pettiness, but no, that's a. That's going to be one of the better games of the year, I think, in terms of like what it means for Celtics fans, what it means for the organization. Seeing KG's number go up into the rafters yeah. amongst a bunch of legends,
1: uh, yeah, that, that that circled very very big on my calendar. Yeah, very excited for that day. That was just the last one I had on here. Just kind of like I just love thinking about how exciting that day is going to be and the emotion that KG brings to the garden and how you know that when we brought in KG in '08. And the way that he changed the entire culture and environment around the Celtics is the reason I'm on this podcast with you today. And so, you know, as much as I love the Celtics before KG, I have, you know, I love my 90s Celtics that I grew up with, the Antoine, Paul Pierce, Dana Barrows, Kenny Anderson years. There's nothing like that, that KG excitement that he brought to the garden with that primal scream and seeing him watch Gino and, you know, everything that KG did to transform the Celtics to where they're at today. You know, that's, that's just going to be a special day for everybody on the calendar. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be super hard to get tickets for that game. Oh, 100%. So, yeah, we may need to, to – uh, if you got any hookups here, let us know. Message us, Adam Taylor, Will Weir, Greg Menakis, let us know. We'll uh, we'll we'll try and make something happen. Yeah, worst
0: case scenario, if anyone's listening that can hook me up with a press pass, then I'll take that just as easily. But ideally, I'd like it to be in the stands with everybody else. We can see what happens. Even if it is a press pass, I'm sitting in the stand with everybody else. Um, I think that wraps us up man.
1: Yeah, I think we're good to go here.
0: We're right, good to go. Where would you like to lead us out?
1: Yeah, man. Appreciate all of y'all listening to us here. Make sure you go subscribe, rate, you know, five-star reviews. You know, we appreciate We like try to keep it positive around here. Season hasn't even started yet, so everybody should have a reason to be optimistic right now, I'm telling you about all the great depth the Celtics team has, all the moves Brad Stevens can make. So follow us along as we uh, we keep you guys updated and have a fantastic rest of the week I ain't disrespecting you hate is sweating sweating you your opinion y'all testing my patience never did it for a check I've been impressed
0: with the-